listening to The 10 Podcast, the discovery and design channel in health. Tune in with your host, Matt Patterson, to learn more about insights from the world of healthcare today. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast this week, which is going to be a reflection for me. Today, in doing that reflection, I wanted to give a bit of my perspective on what I've learned over the over the past six months and starting this, eight, nine months now since starting this uh, podcast around side effects of COVID-19 and side effects in relation to the society today. I want to, talk off, I want to start off talking about uh, some things that have influenced me over this time and where I've been and the journey I've been on. I'll leave the reflection up to you as to what you think about that. That that judgment can be over to you. I recently this week listened to a uh, speech by Steve Jobs that influenced me many many years ago, uh, and it was in the two thousand and five Stanford graduation speech. You may have heard it. He talks about a number of things that have influenced him and his life. He's no longer with us anymore. Steve Jobs is not. But I'm going to focus on some of those things today. At the same time, I'd like to review five or six books that have influenced me specifically this year and tell you about those and tell you what that influence has been and then leave you with a call to action like any good marketing will be. Um, but this is more reflection about what you think about the world as is today and where you think we're going. Let's start off with a little bit about the Steve Jobs piece. In Steve Jobs' amazing speech, to the young graduates of Stanford University, a lot, it seems a long time ago now, in 2005. He talks about his diagnosis uh, with cancer and the fact that it was operatable and the fact he could survive and the hope did for survive for another de- many, many decades when he was given a life expectancy of three to six months. He didn't know about then that he would have six more years with us on this planet and he died in 2011. But when he gave that speech, he thought he'd been given the relative all clear. And he talked about a number of things to these young graduates which were really important, and they stick with me. He talked about things being in his university career, when he was working on calligraphy that influenced the Mac, things being beautiful in a way science cannot tell, art having something in a way science cannot tell. And at the moment we're sitting in a world where we've all been asked to put science first. And art, in many ways, has been taken a back seat or been quashed. What do you think about that? His call to arms and pitch to this younger group of individuals at the start of their life was that you have to trust your gut and follow your heart, even if it takes you to the less well-worn path. His, after being sacked from his job as a CEO at Apple, the company built, uh, he said he found the greatest period of his life, a lightness of being a beginner again, when he set up Next Computer in Pixar and then went back to Apple, taking Next into Apple, uh, making it into the company it is today. You mustn't lose faith. You've got to find what you love. Keep looking and don't settle. Trust your gut. What does that mean to the, at the moment? It's interesting. What do we follow? Why do we follow those specific rules? And the third part of the speech talks about death. And some of the things he says, especially so poignant now that only years after he ended up dying, if you live each day, he said he heard this quote, famous quote before, and you've probably heard it yourself. If you live each day like it's your last, then one day you'll wake up realizing, or not wake up realizing, you were right. 
remembering that I'll be dead soon, this is him speaking, means that you have to focus on the big choices in life. The fact you're going to be, the fact you're going to die, it helps you avoid the trap of thinking you've got something to lose. In his near-death experience back then, when the diagnosis of his pancreatic cancer treatment, he says nobody wants to die. He's got a first-hand experience on that. But death is life's change agent. And that for all of us, your time is limited. Don't be trapped by dogma and don't let it drown your inner voice. Everything else is secondary. He finishes his speech by asking the students at Stanford to stay hungry, stay foolish. My journey this year in books, I kind of can lay them out on the table here in five books of influence. And if you will, uh, let me, uh, I would like to tell you about those five books, what they were about and what they've meant to me. The first book is by Rachel Clark, and it's called Dear Life, A Doctor's Story of Love and Loss. In essence, it's a book about hospices and dying and how actually that process is taken very much away from us as a society in terms of seeing death in life anymore. We're not very used to it. We're very fearful of it. Of course we are goes into some of the stuff from Steve Jobs before. But actually, the underpinning stories of Rachel tells as a doctor that got disenchanted from working in A&E where you try to do everything to try and keep people alive, sometimes when clearly they were near to death and you apply lots of medical practices to maintain life at all costs, when in fact that can perhaps be the thing that removes life at the end of life without dignity. There were, there's lots of great stories in that. It's a really empowering book about life and death uh, and advise you if you're interested in dying one day with dignity and on perhaps on your terms it's a book to read but to me it tells me about something more important than that which it taught me about focusing on when you see people dying which she does all the time lives with the stories of people dying you see that the only things that matter at the end are the things that matter to those people pre their life so they work in hospice on goals how can you achieve the things near the end of life that enable you to do the stuff that matters to you not the stuff that matters to other people i think we focus in life i speak to myself too much on stuff that focus that we do for other people when it doesn't matter to us and that is a huge failing let's focus on that that matters to you to us to me because in the end that's all that's important that's rachel clark's dear life then, as you know, if you've been listening to my series throughout the year, I've been harping on about being a runner, uh, which I'm very proud of, uh, coming up from 5Ks to half marathon. And Chris McDougall's New York Times bestseller, Born to Run, I have to give a lot of credit for this and COVID. And COVID fear, fear of being unwell and being unsick and trying to take resilience and importance myself in relation to uh, managing uh, the risk of COVID. So I thought well, I'm going to take responsibility here myself and get myself as fit as I possibly can if I get a respiratory situation. I, 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 uh, and then I'm going to be, I'll be all right. But what Born to Run by Chris McDougall taught us about the hidden tribe of ultra runners and the greatest race the world has never seen, title from the book, is that running, which for me used to be about personal best and trying to get my time down and pushing forward, is not about that. It's about spiritual running, ease, smoothness, which Chris learnt. And not trying to force, but trying to fit in and flow and have minimal touch in relation to the environment and generally flow with it, a human movement, a smoothness, a, a holicity, a wholeness, 
they're fitting in and therefore improving with low impact on one's body. I used to always get injured. My Achilles heel is ironically my Achilles heel. Uh, and, and through learning a new way to run, through not trying to push and through trying to go slowly and try and fit in and slowly become part of this process, I could become a better runner and I have become a better runner and I've become fitter. And I realized, hey, actually, I don't need all the brands to be able to tell me to do this thing. This is not a branded product. I have a bit of a, I'm a bit of a, uh, a sucker for a branded product. I mean, I spent my whole life in ASICs trainers, JL Cagliano trainers. Um, yeah, for the for what that's worth. So I used to think a product will solve it, but actually, your body can solve it. We as humans, we've got bodies, we've got abilities. We can just get on with stuff. We don't need to consume products and products to prove that we can do stuff when in fact we can use our bodies to do it in the first place now sometimes you need products if you're going to cycling you need a bike if you're going canoeing you need a canoe but you need the essence of your body as the machine to help you stay as resilient and as fit as possible and chris mcdougall has taught me there so rachel's taught me about focusing on the things in life that matter and chris has taught me about the ways to do that to enable one to be a better runner then i read mike berners lee's there's no planet b not in order and this is effectively a book around consumption, the planet, and what we're doing in relation to our constant growth model and constant consumption model. And it's economic, it's political, it's scientific. It's, it's, it's in essence, it's a, it's a holistic vision on how we're consuming today. And lo and behold, of course, we're consuming too much. We're not consuming mindfully. We're not consuming locally enough. And we need to slow this down. We need to slow the world down. I read in another book this morning that we've got six times the population of the mid 18th century, so 1850s. The world is six times the population, 60 times the consumption since the mid 1850s, and 160 times the trade of that time. The acceleration clearly, you don't need to be an economist, you don't need to be a mathematician to realize we are consuming too much. So what do we do about that? This is what Mike Berners-Lee has left me thinking. Okay, where are we going with this? Shizana Zuboff, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, The Fight for a Human Future at the New Frontier of Power. You've heard me perhaps talk about this. Now, Shizana, and I have got references this thanks to Greg Boardman, who was on the Great British Design Challenge with me, in essence is talking about the power of digital, but about how the use and growth of digital all comes under a specific road to capitalist consumption on behavioral surplus, which means gathering of data, your data. And when push comes to shove, it's all just about selling you stuff, click through rates and cut through and selling through. And the side effects of that are more consumption and the frontier of that, the phone and the phone is there and it's consuming. You. We're doing this today in terms of social media, in terms of just general consuming you and processing you and feeding you uh, personalized services that lead you to consume products, selling you the ability to be sold onto an outcome, which is a purchase in the long run. And this is the moment of phones, and, but it's going to be the next frontier is the body, and the body is medical wearables, medical wearables, it's going to gather your data medically and sell them on. If this under this similar model, it's, it's going to sell you on to people that need to sell you stuff. That stuff may be pharmaceuticals, that stuff may be products, maybe medical devices, maybe insurance, maybe food, maybe trainers maybe things like me but it all roads lead to consumption uh, which doesn't obviously fit well with the there is no planet b model 
it's the same thing for the smart home, it's the same thing for autonomous vehicles, all these things are leading to a capacity of more data, which data equals understanding, understanding equals need, e-need equals or potential consumption. Susanna's book is very challenging in relation to the world we live in today. And then the final book from my one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment. Now this book, I got reference of Chris McDougall's Born to Run book in there, or it, perhaps even not that. It could have been a Scott Jurek book about food and running and diet. It may have been referenced in that, actually. But Scott Jurek was referenced through the Chris McDougall Born to Run book as one of the lead runners, American runners who went on that journey to Mexico. And the Eckhart Tolle book, if you've read Eckhart Tolle, the essence of it, I mean, it's quite spiritual and classified. I would not classify myself in that category in the past. Uh, but as a spiritual enlightenment book, which is very unusual for me to read that kind of stuff, uh, it exposed me to many thinking elements. But the first one, and the main one being accepting where you are now. Like, if you can have happiness and where you are now, and understanding and where you are now, and not wishing for tomorrow, today in the moment that you are in now, the kind of mindfulness stuff that we're all getting pushed in relation to our mental health and then trying to help us to move into a space of acceptance, not a space of dis- of rejection, has really helped understand and push, actually, acceptance and connection with where you are now is of primary importance to happiness. Now, in the lockdown, we're often locked away from people. We're having those positive connections with those locally that have been removed we're now seeing people come back more masks going onto the street more people crossing the road from one another again as the fear of a second wave and is being projected and is being acted upon and Eckhart Tolle's book for me in this sense is about proportionality it's about understanding it's about reality it's about what's around you and it's about happiness in essence are you okay where you are today are you okay where you are now if so Don't forget that. In a land that it can be full of fear, let's just check in and make sure if we're okay, we're okay around you now, then that's fine. Often we look at so many things in this journey we've talked about in the Side Effects podcast. I talked about so many things in relation to this. The the sort of the desire of humanity to control, to control the future for a long lasting life, to keep people older, living forever, to keep people uh, consuming forever, constant growth, constant wealth, personalized medicine, all these things. When in fact, maybe a lot of the stuff we need, we have just around us, in us, are us. Make the most of yourself, your body, your mind, where you are today, what you can and what you can't do. We have the products we need, our body, but you need to train it. We need to look after it. We have the immunity you need. We need to rest it. We need to help it. We need to hydrate it. We need to feed it good food. We have the minds that we need, but we need to connect with people and have happiness and connection and community and not just isolation and not just individual focus and not crossing the road from one another. We need other people's points of view. It's easy to fall into a dogma state in a feed of echo chamber-based media that is refined for one another. And we all, all are fed that. So we need to put the phones down. We need to talk to people on door and see them smile and talk and meet parks. And we need to go to those things and stay in communities, in my opinion. We need less just screens. We need less echo chambers. This is nothing new, but this is my view. I think we need to move to one-to-one. We need to move to face-to-face. We need to walk in the shoes of others and accept their point of view and thank them for their point of view and thank them for their difference and have less 
individual, egoic, ego, focus, central, focus, narcissism, says the guy running the podcast to put out there to people. Apologies for that. We are all a work in progress, of course. So I'm at a fork in the road at a strategic inflection point. What would Steve have said? Let's go back to Steve Jobs, if you will, for a moment. For all his weaknesses and strengths, I'm sure uh, he could do a good speech. Things are out there that are beautiful in a way that science cannot tell. For him, calligraphy. Then. But that, I think, reflects to where we are in society. We are crushing the arts for the empowerment of science at the moment. The arts and science in Enlightenment periods, Renaissance, were interwoven with one another as critical components of each other. We must not crush that that is artistic in the pure pursuit of that that is scientific. Trust your gut and follow your heart. Keep looking, don't settle. It's easy in these times to be told messages, as we've discussed, as I've discussed, that force you down a certain path. All paths, all echo chambers. People believing one thing and being dogmatic about it, but not getting the other perspective. And the Side Effects podcast has been trying to stay central and trying to get a variety of perspectives within the realm of saying, hey, if this, then that, but what about this? I think balance and conversation and debate and discussion is critical and often missing. Remembering that we'll all be dead soon and don't fall into the trap if you've got something to protect. Humanity, our human rights, our civil liberties, our ability, our freedom, our knowledge, our happiness, our connections, our joys cannot be traded, must not be traded for a single fear or perceived risk. There is risk in everything. We must understand proportionally what that is and make our decisions and hopefully communicate with others to see their points of view to enable us to do those things, in my opinion. These are your days. Death, as Steve Jobs says, death is life's change agent. It takes the old and old out and brings in the new. So should we be focusing, as you can see, as a person that sits at the front end of a, a podcast on side effects that have been focused on health, then as a person that has traditionally been working on products and services to put out in the world, under the guise of those individual products and services being better for the world, and see being reflective at a period at the end of a long learning journey, it's enlightening to see and to explore where to go next. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Thank you for listening to this. Uh, and you're on your own journey. Where are you going next? I ask you to do a few things. If you value what I say, I ask you to do a few things. I ask you to listen to other people who aren't like you, ideally. Talking to them, ideally face-to-face in the real world. Not on phones, not behind social media, Twitter accounts. Not just having a dogmatic reflection when something happens and you, you, you read the clickbait and you inflame, you say a response, but try and find a way in society to meet real people, talking to them. It's not, not easy to do this. Have you got any ideas about how we can set up some services to do that away from screens, away from phones to get and talk to people? I'd love to hear those things. Thank people 
for their perspectives and just try and talk with them with humor and with happiness and connection. It's a lot harder to be negative to someone's face when they're smiling at you and you're talking to them than it is on a mobile phone to comment on a post that's inflamed you. Connect the dots, looking back, but trust your gut moving forward. It's what Steve Jobs would say. Try and control your fear. We're in these times all super fearful. I talk to people, I try and have these conversations everyone I talk to. I try and have a perspective. I now try everywhere I go to talk a little bit to people, say, hey, how are you doing? What are your thoughts? And often you come across people who are just like wound up on the ready, on the edge of fear. I've been that person, right? Check in with your fear. Assess those around you. What, do I need that fear right now? Okay. Can I dial it down a bit? My, my fear early on in the year was just ridiculous as I was trying to control everything, like ah, control the shopping coming in, clean it, wipe it down. I look at that now and think, wow, that was a disproportionate response myself in my life. and wasn't helping me. Judge for yourself, support other people, and stay human. I've done this podcast because I think actually it's important as a communicator to reflect on some of the things that are influencing the perspectives I have and the media I'm consuming and the literature I'm consuming and the activity I'm doing and the ways I'm talking to people and what it means and why it means stuff. So you can get a better understanding of me and what influences me and so you can make a better judgment about that and you can listen to other people that are very not like me and get their perspectives in life too. I talk more in the Daily Dose of Inspiration with this kind of stuff. Uh, if you're interested in this, then sign up. Uh, there's a link at the bottom of the show to those kind of pieces. Pieces where I give a nugget of my kind of own perspective and learning in the time rather than an interviewed guest. of what those micro two to three minute doses of inspiration are every morning. That's what that's all about. And that's it. That's my take on this week's podcast. I have put a link in do the think different advert right from the style of apple's dominance i guess i'm gonna play that now as a way to end this week's podcast because it influences me still and i think it's important so let's see if this works here's to the crazy ones the misfits the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things push the human race forward. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Think different. Until next week on the podcast, I thank you for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe. See you all soon.
until next time on the podcast, I thank you for listening. As I always say, if you'd like to come on and talk about the side effects as a guest, we'd be delighted to talk to you. Email me at hello at wheel10.co.uk. Thank you again for listening. You've been listening to The 10 Podcast. Subscribe on your preferred podcast provider. Also, do let us know what you think of today's episode.